Welcome to the Waterways World Podcast, brought to you in association with ABC Leisure Group, operators of hire fleets and marinas around the UK. Hello and welcome to the Waterways World Podcast. I'm Bobby Cowling, the editor of the magazine. Today we are joined by Richard McKenzie, who may be known to some listeners as the owner of Bike and Boat, a narrowboat-based business selling a range of handmade and upcycled jewellery. But Richard also lives aboard his boat with wife Jackie, and unusually, their two children, Fleur, aged five, and Bobby, aged 11. And as the kids are home educated, the Mackenzies are free to travel the network whenever and wherever they like, something as continuous cruises they take full advantage of. We were particularly interested to find out more about Richard's experiences of family life afloat and his business too so let's hear what he has to say Richard there are so many facets to your boating life you live aboard you work aboard you have family aboard and you spend a lot of time cruising when did the waterways thing first start for you so it all started about five years ago. It was just coming up to our fifth anniversary now, in actual fact. And uh, first of all, it was pretty much an economic decision. And I know that's the wrong decision or the wrong uh, way to go about making a decision to live uh, afloat. And certainly I know that now because I know that it's not necessarily the cheapest option. But uh, I'd always been looking for something different. I didn't feel comfortable in bricks and mortar in an additional traditional community. Um, and my wife, Jackie, was very much of a conformist, so she wasn't looking for something different. But one day we were driving in the car, my daughter only a few months old, and I, I'd said to Jack, I've done some sums, and we've paid £110,000 to our, our landlord in Whitney in Oxfordshire over the past 10 years. Uh, and the next words to come out of her mouth was, well, we should buy a boat and live on a boat. So quite clearly, she thought the same as me, that it was an affordable way of living. Um, and yes. within, I think, 20 minutes, we were at Wolvercote in Oxford, walking along the canal, and we were up in Thrupp. Uh, we actually met somebody in Thrupp who thought that it would be absolutely crazy of us to want to raise a family on a narrowboat. Um and yeah, just a few months later, we moved aboard Bluebell. Just a few months later. Just a few months later, I think once our our mind was made, we we were we were hell bent on it. I mean, Jackie hadn't even been on an arrowboat at that point. She'd only ever seen them on television. Um, and I, the last time I had been on an arrowboat, I was seven years old, and I went with a, a friend for his birthday party on an arrowboat. Right. So, so what did the boat buying process entail? So we went to see quite a few boats, um, and there was some which we really loved, but they were out of our price range. There were some which were in our price range, but we got put off by things like silly names. Um, 
And then one day, you change your name. We didn't realise that. <laughs> um, but okay. one day, I mean, we were so wet behind the ears. You know, it's it's yeah. um, it's unreal. And to be honest, when I look back to where we were and our um, our road into boat life, I'm surprised that we we we, we would have lasted out. Uh, I'm not surprised yeah. now, knowing the the journey that we've been on since. But I think that our reasons to begin with wasn't, as I said before, wasn't really right and it wasn't well thought out. But I'm so glad that we took that leap. It was a leap of faith because it really did pan out when we began to understand the community. Because ultimately, I think at the end of the day, that's what both I and Jackie have been looking for for um, for, for many years, in, in fact, um, and we, we, we're just so lucky that we found that on the canal. Um, yeah. but, but and, and I mean, even so much so to, you know, um, I can remember we walked into Braunston into the little, um, uh, brokerage place in Braunston and there was a boat that we thought we may like, and we, we just dipped on and we dipped straight back off. And this right. was actually the afternoon that we saw Bluebell, um, but we 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 just couldn't afford uh, at that moment to to purchase her, and uh, I can remember the guy in in the little shop there at Bronson turning to Jackie and saying, "Do you know what? It's fine. You'll know when you found the right one." And um, I think both me and Jack was in tears at that point, thinking, "Well, we have, but we just couldn't afford it." But luckily, uh, with the help of good old Mum. Um, we were able to put uh, an offer in and was accepted that afternoon. Um, and so we just knew that the journey uh, had begun. We, it took around about six weeks from putting in the offer to having a survey and some remedial work done to us moving on. Um, and the moving on day was just amazing. Working up to the moving on day, we've gone from a two-bedroom house to a, a 60-foot narrowboat. We downsized everything. Uh, if it didn't fit in our Citroen Blingo with the four of us when we were moving in on that day, we weren't going to keep it. So we sold and gave away to charity just about everything that we owned. Um, and then on that day, uh, the 18th of May, we, we drove up from uh, Whitney in Oxfordshire to Northamptonshire to pick up Bluebell. And... Um, yeah, it was that was it. Since then, apart from a couple of trips to hospital, uh, we spent every night on Bluebell. And uh, wow. yeah, you have two children, Bobby and Fleur. Yeah, um, how did they adapt to living on a, a boat? So Were they Fleur, excited by the prospect. Yeah, I mean, Fleur was was still a baby when we moved aboard. So uh, to be honest, she doesn't know any any different. And I don't think that for her, she took her first steps on in 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 the galley on Blue Bile. Um, I I I really think for her, she you know she this is life. This is just normal. This is what people do and how people live. Um, with Bobby, it was a little bit different because he was six when we moved aboard, but. Can you just imagine what it would have been like at six years old for your parents just to have given up the house and and moved onto a narrowboat? For him, it was the coolest thing ever, um, yeah, and he I'm he he's completely head over heels in love with the life that we have, and even more so now 
um, that we are able to cruise and and see the countryside as well. What about schooling though? So yeah, so we've homeschooled the children now for around about three years in actual fact. So since we've been on the narrowboat, and we've done that for a whole host of different reasons. But I think looking back on it, one of the the key benefits that we've got from that is the the community aspect, which was interesting because that's overall what we've benefited from you know from living on a boat is getting into that boating community. Um, and it's great because it just means that as we move, we've got a new thing to learn, a new, you know, so for instance, yesterday during the Hatton flight, we were able to learn about the Hatton flight and learn about the the old single lock structure going down, the reason why it was called the stairway to heaven and all of these other things. And yeah. we're able to do history um, from the standpoint of the Canary as well, the, the Industrial Revolution, World War II, and so on and so forth. So it's really, really rich to be able to homeschool uh, from the boat and move around. But I really like the aspect of, of the community as well. So um, a few weeks ago, I asked on our social media for questions. I wanted to put together a, a video um, about people answering people's questions about what it was like to live as a family on a narrowboat and most of the questions came around the homeschooling um, and came around the um, socialization of Bob and Fleur and one of the things which it really which really struck me is how I think people look in and would would imagine that this life is quite insular living on mm. the canal, you know, so being out in the middle of nowhere, nobody really about. And I think for many people, if you wanted to come to the canal and have that insular way of life, you could have it. I mean, even now, right, right at this moment in time, we're moored in the middle of nowhere. But this is very unusual. Usually we're moored in big towns like Banbury or Oxford or Leamington Spa or Warwick, are places where they've, they've already got set up with homeschool groups and communities, many of which we've already uh, uh, had a connection to. So we're cruising back into that area. We've got old friends to look up and, uh, and new connections to make. So... Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of richness in that. And even yesterday, I was joking to Bobby how doing the Hatton flight together was like his home education PE lesson. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> it's a good workout, that's for sure. It yeah. is. <laughs> Sounds a bit uh, nosy, Richard. But what's the configuration of your boat? I'm, I'm just wondering in terms of having four people, uh, you know, a family aboard. Yeah, so we've got a um, we, we've got the seating area at the front, and then we've got quite a large galley and a dining area, uh, and then we've got twin cabins. So a cabin either side, and that's Bob and Fleur's cabin. Then we've got a walk-through bathroom, uh, and then our cabin down the end with the engine at the back. Um, what we're planning on doing at the moment, which is rather exciting, is we're going to be on the lookout for a small boat which we can literally just with a sound hull and engine um that me and bob can fit out together uh, and ultimately this will be like his annex so a place for him to go and and disappear off to when he wants to disappear off to uh but eventually his home as well so when he's old enough and ready enough to take that on and the reason why i would like to do it like that is because 
I know as a son how possibly annoying I was phoning up my parents every five minutes to ask how something worked. <laughs> and I'm just figuring, actually, if we get this together and we work on it together, that Bob's going to have a full understanding of what's going on, you know, and and how to fix any problems. And it yeah. also just give him the confidence um, to to enjoy what he has rather than worry about it. Yeah, sounds like a great project. When do you plan to get that underway? Well, as with anything, when we can afford it, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> it's just it's one of those things which are in the pipeline and to be saved yeah. for. He's only six, so it's not. It's no, not, he's he's eleven at the moment. Oh, he's eleven. Yeah, Sorry, he's yes, eleven. Six when was, you moved aboard, yeah. He was six when we moved aboard, so he yeah he was eleven, and uh, yeah, Fleur's just turned five as well. But they, right. you know, they they do have their own space on the boat, and um, it's what I think. What I would say is, it's just a different way of living, um, Bobby. You know, I think that yeah. um, we we have had comments in the past because for on our business page on Facebook, we'll do uh, live cruises. I'll just stick the camera on the front of the boat, and off we go for a cruise. Um, and we've had comments in the in the past of do you not think it's irresponsible to let them work locks and uh, be so close to the water? And I think that what I would say is that there's so much that they're getting out of this life. And mm. one of the things as well to address those concerns is that they've learned to respect their surroundings and it's exactly the same as when we lived in Whitney in actual fact we live right next to a main road um, and so as Bobby was growing up and toddling about he would learn to respect the fact that cars are big heavy things and if they hit you they're going to squish you you know and, and have that yeah. respect and yeah. it's exactly the same when it comes to water and when it comes to to, to locks um, or even lighting a campfire out on the towpath in the evening to sit around with friends it's not about teaching a child what they shouldn't be doing it's about teaching a child how to do things with respect and to learn to keep themselves safe and to enjoy what they're doing ultimately and yesterday working Hatton with with Bobby was an absolute dream you know we we make sure that he wears a fluorescent cap uh, like a, a hoodie and uh, yeah. he goes on to open up the next lock for us and I work bluebell through the current lock um, and you know three hours and eight minutes uh, from the bottom to the top yesterday by no means the fastest and I'm sure there's some avid boaters out there that could <laughs> probably beat us but that wasn't I mean our, our, our goal was to go through uh, quick but our, our, our job was to go through with respect for the the, the structure that we were going through um, and and to enjoy the process and to learn what we could as we were going up as well yeah Sounds like a nice day. What was the weather like yesterday? I'm just trying to recall. It was absolutely fine. I mean, for some reason, Jackie, who was skippering the boat, said it was absolutely freezing. But me and Bobby, who were going up and working all the locks, were really, really hot for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why that was. <laughs> Are you continuous cruises then, Richard, you and your family? Uh, so technically yes uh but but also no we have a home mooring um we we've got a home mooring down in a place called Chipton on Sherwell uh which is on the southern Oxford canal nice place yeah however i think the thing is i mean there's a couple of things um the thing with cruising, my wife is german so uh jackie moved over when we were in our late teens um 20 years ago when we originally got together 
And I had always lived in or around Oxford. Um, And so when the opportunity came to cruise, I was really eager to go out and cruise. Jackie, not so. Um, But we did it um, because we, we, you know, we compromised and we went out and we did it. And then we went on to the Clangothlin Canal and we liked it. We thought it was really nice. You know, I don't know whether you've ever done it before, but we went through Grindley Brook and yeah. went into Whitchurch and then to Alsmere. And then we went uh, over the Cherk Aqueduct and it hit us like a ton of bricks. Again, I don't know whether you've ever done it, but we, from that moment, we just fell in love with that part of the Clangothlin Canal. Um, lots of people do yes yeah yeah we don't know whether that's going to last forever but we when we went out last year we did say that we would go out uh december not last december the december before we said we would leave as long as we got back for october last year um and we did that we went out uh spent all summer out all, all the late part of last winter out spring and summer and then we rushed back and when we got back to oxford uh to our home mooring we sat there for, I think, all of three hours before it actually dawned on us that actually our heart was still in Clangothlin. Um, and so that's why we literally just, uh, we had a few engine problems in Oxford, but once we had ironed those out, um, we we left almost straight away uh, to, to start heading north again. Um, and so we still have our home mooring, you know, and Oxford, in a sense, is still home. And so if we needed to get back there, we don't have to worry uh, about finding a place to moor up. But uh, but our hearts at the moment are, are still in North Wales. Um, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll go and we'll follow this dream and just see where it takes us and you know it might it we may spend the next few months up there we may spend the next year up there we may look for a home mooring up there we we don't know but i think what we're not going to do is we're not going to say we're not going to ever say now again that we need to do something by such and such a time because had we not set that red line in the sand to be back in oxford for october we would still be there now um and, was and there any reason to be back in October? Just that we said that we would be. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's crazy. And I think that now, because because we we educate from the boat, because we earn our living from the boat, because we live from the boat, um, it's slowly beginning to dawn on us that this is our life and that we have this freedom and we have this flexibility. You know, a lot of things in life are academic until they sort of like hit you in the face. Um, and so now we we really have by by working on the business by by getting the children's education there we've put ourselves in a place where we can start making the decisions based on our terms mm. as opposed to doing things um, and being places because we feel that we should not because necessarily we want to and so that's that just gives you tremendous. Um, a, a tremendous feeling of freedom. Um, but also it worries because, you know, you're, you're away from what you know and comfort and, you know, we're going to have to build our community up, up, up there. Although I would say we had spent two and a half months on the Clangothlin Canal in summer, last summer. 
And people are so incredibly welcoming that we made a ton of friends. And really interestingly, as soon as we said to our friends in Oxford who were boat dwellers that we this is what we were doing, I think we we may have inspired three or four other couples um, who are also going to be heading their way after, up there after the winter wow. stoppages as well. Like um, a pilgrimage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is, I mean, you know, I, I I think it's very comparable to the Southern Oxford, which I also find outstandingly beautiful, um, yeah. except for you haven't got those really craggy, rugged hills that you have in North Wales. But... Um, yeah, we we just we just go and we'll see we'll see where it leads us, you know, and and yeah. we just enjoy it as we go. I mean, at the end of the day, we never uh, we never intended for Bluebell to be just a floating flat, you know, to have a, a home mooring and just stay there as as a flat. Um, we 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 couldn't see, ever see the point in doing that, you know. We always wanted for her to cruise. Waterways World has been Britain's best-selling canals and rivers magazine since 1972. In each monthly issue, you'll find the latest waterway news, practical advice on boat buying and boat ownership, reviews of the latest craft and equipment, a pull-out cruising guide to help you plan your next trip, first-hand accounts of Waterways Life, and insights into the history and heritage of our canals and rivers. For subscription offers, visit waterwaysworld.com, where you'll also find a searchable magazine archive, our interactive Ask an Expert Advice section, and our Boat Search feature, the most comprehensive listing of canal boats for sale you'll find online. That's waterwaysworld.com. Were there any great challenges adapting to boating life as a family? Uh, I think moving aboard as a young family certainly helped. I mean, we get a lot of people on social media asking us what it's like to live on a boat, and they've got children who are already teens. Um, Mm. I think that Bob moving on as an excited six-year-old definitely helped, and Fleur moving on at five, six months old definitely helped. I think, to be honest, it's when I sit back and I think about what we're like as a family now and what we were like as a family in a house, it definitely made us uh, as a family. It brought us closer together. We live in a very much more a sociable way. We're not a tech family. We have a tablet which uh, the children use for home, part of their home, home education. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a laptop that I use for work and a few cameras and things. But... Um, but we're not a family that sits there on tech, uh, enjoying our own company. Um, we we sit around a table and we enjoy our own com- uh, enjoy our company together as a family. So we play a lot of board games and um, we you know we might watch a family movie. The types of things that, in actual fact, when I've spoken to teenagers that have come on holiday with their parents, are the thing of nightmares. Um, but for us, it just, you know, it just works. But I would go back to that about it being a make or break situation because, sadly, I have seen families move on the cut and and either relationship breakups happen uh, or, or even worse. Um, and I, I, I really do feel that it's... It's even though we didn't really think it through too strongly, 
um, right at the beginning. I think it is something that really needs to be thought through um, because if there are any issues within the, the relationships within the family, I think that living in such a small confined space or a very, very open planned social place could exacerbate any issues. What about employment? How were you able to finance your lifestyle? Well, so I I run my own gardening business uh, when we were down in Oxford. Very successful. Um, but after so many years, um, on your knees, you know, working in, in, in borders and beds in customers' gardens, uh, there's only so much that your knees can put up with. And I knew in my late 30s that I needed to change my career. I didn't know what to. Um, and then I wrote my book, Family Life on a Narrowboat. And when I finished it, I was like, yeah, this is great. Living on a narrowboat is perfect. But there's one problem. Uh, and that is that my job ties me to North Oxford. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, and I've been thinking for, at this point, when I made the decision to start by bike and boat, I had been thinking for a couple of years about what I could do, which would allow me to cruise. And I spoke to no end of friends about it. Uh, one guy who's a, a well-known fender maker said to me, look, I'll teach you how to make fenders uh, for boats. And uh, I can remember I got all excited. And then we had a conversation on the phone um, in regards to how much it costs to buy material, raw materials, and how much you sell the finished item for, and how many hours you put in, and I just realised the figures were just not going to, you know, were just not going to be there, and you couldn't sustain um, uh, a family on that whilst living on a boat. You would need a separate workshop and everything. Um, and then one day we were. It was. It was only. Um, it was July, not last year, the year before. We was out on our two-week Coddy One pull-up to up to Warwick, and we got to the water point. We we're just pulling up to the water point, in actual fact, after winding the boat at the bottom or the top of the Saltersford Arm. I I'm super grumpy, and the whole crew know that Daddy's super grumpy on the day that you have to turn the boat round because he knows then he's heading back to Oxford, and you know his heart really wants to get up those locks at Hatton and and go and explore. Um, and so they leave me to it. So I moor up the lock, uh, moor up the boat by the water point, and uh, the next thing, this guy comes down on his rickety old bicycle, a lot younger than me, probably late twenties. And uh, and he was like, "All right, mate." He said, "Which way is the way to Wales?" <laughs> and uh, and you're I just, Warwick. I we was in Warwick, yeah. And I just I laughed, same as you. Yeah, and I pointed yeah. up towards the hat and flight and said, "It's that way, mate." What what are you up to? I just needed to know more, you know. And it was the end of the first lockdown, or you know, quite quite a while after the end of the first lockdown, actually. And he had just literally had enough. You know, he was a gardener. And I think so many of us did. So many of us were, you know, so many lives have changed, uh, but by, by, you know, negatively because of COVID, but also so many lives have changed fantastically because of COVID, because people have realized just how precious and just how important life is. 
um, and how valuable it is that I, I, I know I've speak I've spoken to so many people since speaking to this guy Luke, who have just at the spare of the moment just said, Do you know what, life's too important to be taken seriously. I just got to follow my heart, and that's mm-hmm. what Luke had done. Ultimately, he had he had uh, packed in his job. He had. Uh, withdrawn the money from his bank he had his rickety bicycle and a backpack full of food and a, a camping gas stove thing you know tied with an old bicycle inner tube to his um, bicycle rack and he was having it away to Wales and he'd actually come from Wolverton uh, which is uh, right, right next to the canal uh, just north of um, Milton Keynes and so it already come quite a way up through Braunston and then um, uh, down the Stockton fly and so on and so forth. And uh, anyway, he was he was off. Um, and when he left, he left me with a sense of excitement thinking, hmm, <laughs> I've got to find what, what it is that's going to make me say, sod it, we've just got to get this done, you know, we've just got to make this happen. And uh, that evening... Bobby and myself were watching a video on YouTube and there's a channel on YouTube called How's It Made where they go into factories and they film the process of something being made and it was marbles this this episode. We were watching how marbles were made so they were going through furnaces and things and and formers and and then afterwards both Bobby and I were talking about the video and how these marbles were made. And he was asking me whether I had marbles as a child. You know, it's funny with kids, however old you are, they always imagine that you didn't have half of the things that they had as a child when you were a kid. They think you're ancient, you know, so you didn't even yeah. think we had marbles in my time. <laughs> um, and we were going through and, and the video just skipped onto the next video, you know, as, as it does on YouTube. Automatically. Yeah. Yeah. And the video that then came on was how to make a copper bracelet. And I don't know what happened, but my something inside of me just said, that's what you're doing. That's it. This is it. This is what you're going to do. So I thought, well, I've had a lot of harebrained ideas in the past, so I'm not going to, I'm going to sit on this one. I'm not going to share it with the family quite yet because they'll just think that I'm crazy. Um, Bearing in mind that I, you know, was running a very successful gardening practice down in in Oxford, so it would have been a big thing to give up. Um, but I did phone my accountant, and m- my accountant is 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 a person who I would expect to, you know, settle me down, tell me that it's nonsense, and um, uh, and put me back on the straight and narrow. But however, he he actually thought it was a fantastic idea and got more excited than I did about it. Um, and by the time we, we were in Radford Semily at this point, by the time we had uh, moored up in Napton, I had arranged for a guy, I bought some tools off of a guy on Facebook Marketplace and I'd arranged for him to deliver them. And by the time we got to Banbury, I think I had bought all of the other tools that I needed from places like Screwfix and Toolstation. Uh, and I was ready to start. Um, but the thing that really cemented it for me was just a, a couple of days before that, it was uh, the 23rd. Um, in actual fact, the day that I got the phone call was the 22nd. I got a phone call from my mum. Uh, we was at Napton, just about to start the Napton flight outside the folly. Uh, and my mum said, uh, Rich, you need to get home. And I've had a phone call from her before when my dad's been poorly. Yeah. But I knew that in the tone of her voice, this was different, uh, that this was serious. And... Um, 
I I got the boat through. I got Jackie through up to Marston Dolls at the top of the Napton flight um, mm. because then I thought, well, at least they can get round to Claydon on their own. And I cycled from Marston Dolls uh, to Banbury, caught a train from Banbury to Bista. And uh, in the early hours of the morning, the next morning on the 23rd of July, uh, Dad passed away. And it was... <laughs> I, I'm the youngest uh, of four children. Uh, I've got four old sisters. And in those situations, you just do what you need to do. So I kept it together. And even though I was the little brother, I was the big brother. I sorted different bits out, phoned who I needed to phone. Um, and then later that morning, I needed to catch a train back and be back with the crew, where, uh, with uh, Jackie, Bobby, and Flair. Mm. And... Uh, I cycled up to the train station in Bista and that was when it hit me, the, the, um, the magnitude of what had just happened. You, you always hear people say that life's too short and it's completely academic until something like a, a parent passes away because when that happens, it just hits you squarely between the eyes. Um, and I just became um, determined that I wasn't going to allow another moment to be wasted when I knew that our family, as a family, we wanted to cruise, we wanted to go and see the network, and there was only one thing stopping us, uh, which was my my work. Uh, at that moment in time, I was just like, I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to make this work. And so I actually went back and we got the boat down into Banbury, and I made my first copper bracelet that day. Wow. And, um, and that was the start. That was the start. And do you know what? There's nothing like taking a hammer and whacking a piece of copper pipe and turning it into <laughs> something beautiful. That, that yeah. it, It's therapy. It really yeah. was. And I would say that in those first days, if anybody would talk to me, I would literally just break down. I would literally yeah. break down. It was, it was a phenomenal thing to have happened to lose a parent. But mm. whilst I was there, I was able to sort of shut off everything around me. And, um, anyway, I posted this first bracelet to, to, to my personal Facebook, just so that my friends could see. And I don't know whether there was like, they were pity likes or pity comments. Um, but, but people liked it. And, uh, a guy actually, who's a, um, a narrowboat engineer down in London way who I know contacted me and said, Rich, can you make me one? Could you, could you, you know, I, I don't care how much it costs. Can you just make me one? They look great. So I I'm, I was a trustee at that point for a charity. And I said, look, just chuck 20 quid in, in the donation pot for the charity and I'll make you one. And from that one sale, that one sale turned into three orders. Um, three orders turned into, I, I think I've just made my 909th bracelet. Um, now, bearing in mind, I make a whole host of different things as well, but it's the bracelets that get numbered. I've just made my right. 909th bracelet. What else do you make? So I make earrings, I make pendants, uh, I make bookmarks. Bookmarks are very successful, uh, have been very successful in the run-up to Christmas. People have, um, uh, uh, I, I make a little bookmark which just says loved in the corner, um, which people mm. give to a loved one just to let them know that they're, that they're loved. Mm. Um, and I've gone on to make a whole host of different things. And it was, it was really interesting. Last year we was at the Punta Cyclic Aqueduct and, my phone rang and it was a, it was a jewelry magazine that wanted to interview me. 
And uh, <laughs> I can remember the interview, who's a jeweler herself, said to me, so what's the plan? Um, you know, are you going to outsource to, to Eastern Europe? Are you going to get things made out, you know, and then, and then just work on your sales strategy? And I was like, no, 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 because ultimately, at the end of the day, the reason why this business works is it's because there's a bloke who really cares about what he does, uh, about his craft, standing on the back of the boat somewhere on the waterways of the UK, uh, home educating his family. And it's about being just that one man band, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what's made it so successful. And we're so blessed, you know, that we've got like 16,000 people following us on Facebook. And through all of those lockdowns, I were at, with subsequent lockdowns, I was able to do live makes. So I was able just to put the camera up in the workshop and make a piece of jewelry and people could ask me questions as I was making it. Um, and it was such an honor to be able to do that because we got such beautiful messages afterwards that it just happened that for, for some of our followers, I was the only person that they were going to see that day or that week. Um, and so it grew to becoming something much more than a business and something which supports us. It's become uh, a community, a family. And it's so lovely that yesterday when we came up the hat and fly, I was able to put the camera on. And when I watched the video back in the evening, I was able to see all of our regulars commenting and, you know, people who haven't got the ability to get out on a boat but we're able to come and cruise with the Bluebell crew and, uh, and enjoy what we was enjoying. It was a, it was a, it's a great honor to be part of that. Yeah. Where can people buy your products? Do you sell them as a roving trader or is it just online or is it a mixture of the both? Yeah, so we we do have people come to visit us when we're trading, um, but I would say that most of the time people come to us through our social media channels. But you can pop over to our website, which is buybikeandboat.co.uk. So that's by buybikeandboat.co.uk. The reason why we called the business that was that was the two ways that we mainly travel. We don't have a car; we just have our bikes that are okay. tied to the front of the boat, and they go everywhere with us. Um, and that's how we get our shopping and just conventional bikes. Just well, I we love our bicycles, so we would never call them just conventional bikes. I've got a bike called the Duchess, uh, which yes. is a, a Dutch sit up and beg bike. So if you can imagine oh, what a nineteen forties vicar would have um, yeah, uh, been yeah. trundling around yeah. the uh, village on, that's, that's what you would tend. To, yeah, that's what you would tend to see me on. But that's just because I'm a man of a certain age, and I find it much easier. Last year when we were out cruising, I bought my single speed uh, fixie bicycle and again you know the same reason for the gardening is the same reason why i'm giving up the single speed fixie the knees just haven't got it anymore right okay do you anticipate staying on the waterways for the foreseeable future yeah i think that as i say i i'm not i'm not really going to tie ourselves to anything really but what i would say is that we are head over heels in love with uh, the life that we we now lead. Um, we love the fact that we're calling into places in the next few weeks where we've been before and catching up with old friends. Um, and I think for the children, I often sit and I, I, I'll be watching the children as they're doing their, their, their writing or their maths or whatever at the table. And I just think, 
what lucky sods you know i would have loved to have been brought up in this and i think that when you're a parent you, you do everything you can for your kids and as long as our kids are happy and as long as they are uh, uh are flourishing with this way of life it certainly isn't going to change but i think even long beyond that when they've flown the nest i don't think myself or jackie could ever see ourselves living back in bricks and mortar unless it was forced upon us yeah well let's hope it never comes to that richard thank you so much for your time today it's been wonderful hearing about your very deep involvement with the waterways and uh happy cruising and i hope the business continues to flourish and uh, thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for calling five years, the ABC Leisure Group has been at the forefront of the waterways leisure industry. With 15 strategically placed marinas around the UK, it has hundreds of moorings with modern facilities and a range of benefits. ABC also runs a successful and competitive boat brokerage business. See abcboatsales.com, as well as over 200 luxury hire boats and day boats. Visit abcboathire.com. Furthermore, it offers a range of land-based holiday accommodation, including waterside holiday cottages and caravan parks. Visit abcholidaycottages.com.